All right, there's going to be lunch. There's going to be a meeting, lots of wonderful, wonderful things going on, lots of planning in the pipeline. And it is a marvelous thing to be part of a group of Christians where there's a bunch of stuff going on. Because Christianity in this country is falling apart. We know that. We know that we are in the sharpest decline that that apart from Christians being massacred and slaughtered, this is the, the sharpest decline of Christianity that this world has ever witnessed. We are up against a, a, a militaristic move in our own country to try and get rid of anything Christian. You're allowed to be anything except a Christian. So we need to be on our A game about how we communicate clearly to the world around us about who Jesus is. Um, can I get that first slide up there, please, Chris? So you would have seen some of these things. Those of you who've been at the last couple of meetings, we have been using these boxes. I went for an off-white color. It doesn't seem to be working all that well, actually. We won't do that again. We've been using these boxes to go, you know what, for all the different things about church life and journeying together and being a community of faith, all the things that we could measure, here are the ones that we find in Scripture. Here are the things that we see are key moments for someone who is pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to make a first-time commitment. There is going to be a change of allegiance that happens somewhere. Baptism is something that we are told in Scripture to do. That's why we practice it. That's why we have church buildings that incorporate that practice. Joining community, actually fellowshipping, you know, forsake not corporate acts of worship, serving, washing each other's feet, eating with each other, extending hospitality, clothing the needy, feeding the hungry, being sent and sending. We had a whole month talking about it. Thank you, David, for what you wrote in the last newsletter as well. What now? We're going to talk about some of that here. And this morning, we're going to talk about sowing and growing. Two quick things before I forget. Um, August next year, there's a team going to Papua New Guinea. If you want to be on that team, if the Lord is poking you about being part of that team, please come and have a conversation with me. We need to follow up. And I believe there are some people in this church that need to start considering either midterm, two to four years, or long-term commitment to mission. And if you have no idea what it's like being in a completely different culture, we want to make that step as accessible to you as possible. So if, if the Lord has his finger on your heart about that, come and have a chat with me, please. The second thing is there is a baptismal service happening next month on the 15th. What a great problem. We keep having to fill up the baptistry. So uh, in the words of the Ethiopian eunuch, what prevents you? If you have not yet been baptized, what is it that actually prevents you? What prevents you from getting baptized? We don't want it to be a lack of water. So let's talk about sowing and growing. We've mentioned before that it is possible, and some of you would know people who are in this category, where they've got the first three of these boxes that have happened in their life. They've made a commitment to Jesus. They've been baptized. They're part of a community of faith, but maybe these next three boxes aren't going on for them, and maybe they're not going on for you. That when you look at at, at someone who is a complete disciple of Christ, serving is is core to that. We see Jesus turn up and serve people. And if we are going to walk and talk and be as Jesus was in the world, we need to be serving as well. Jesus was also sent and Jesus commissions people. The language of the Apostle Paul again and again and again is koinonia, partnership. That wherever he goes, wherever he travels, he is in partnership with, with others. We are the one body. And if we are not the ones who are sent 
to Timor-Leste, then we will do the sending. And, you know, it, again, politically incorrect phrase. If you're not going to shoot, at least send bullets. Okay? So, sowing and growing is this other part. We talk about sent and sending. Now we're talking about sowing and growing. Jesus says this, and go back and have a look at John 15. Marvelous passage of scripture. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We can have the question, all right, sowing and growing, you know, actually producing faith in other people, investing the kingdom of God in other people. Where do we find that in the scriptures? We find it throughout the scriptures, particularly in the New Testament. You only know the Lord Jesus Christ because you heard about it from someone. Someone invested in you. I've got some pictures up here of an orange tree and then an orange. that It, it was really hard to find a photo of an orange that had been cut open that had seeds in it. Actually, they've all been photoshopped. Well, they're all navel oranges. If, if the fruit of an orange tree has the seed in it, and if the fruit of so, so many things that we see in the world has the seed in it, then should the fruit of a Christian have the seed of Christianity in them? It's not a trick question, by the way. How do we know that an orange tree has reached maturity? Because you can take an orange off it and get the seed and plant it and grow another orange tree. That the evidence of maturity is the capacity to reproduce. And we see this with human beings as well. Human beings go through these life stages where they are infants, uh, where they are children, where they are adolescents. I hear that's going to be fascinating, darling, when our kids get to that phrase. That phrase. But then there is this thing that we expect to happen in a human life that the, the clear evidence that they are no longer a child is that there are biological markers that kick in and their capacity to reproduce Something happens on, on an innate DNA level. And if Jesus is in you, then in the same way, the evidence of maturity in you and in me is that a mature tree has seeds in the fruit. And if you and I want to be mature Christians, if we want to, to be grown up and to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, then the fruit of our lives needs to somewhere have the seed of the gospel. It needs to somewhere have the capacity to reproduce. And when we talk about sowing and growing, in the same way that you heard the gospel from someone, someone needs to hear the gospel from you. Now, I can't give you the desire to share the gospel. If I could, I would weaponize it and blow dart everyone. I wish everyone was completely, radically fired up about sharing the gospel. Some of us are simply not there. It's really scary. It's intimidating. We don't want to get attacked. Some of us, we go, it's like the Moses thing. Lord, I'm actually not very good with my words. So we're going to do some workshopping this morning around this. Let's have a look at two more passages of Scripture just because I want you to see this in the text. Matthew 28, you've heard this before. Then Jesus came to them and said, this is right at the end of Matthew's gospel, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And if you've been around any church for any period of time, you would have heard a sermon on this, particularly talking about the start of verse 19, that the imperative is not therefore go, 
But in the original language, it's as you are going, as you are already going, as you are already about your daily life, be making disciples. One more passage. Acts chapter 4. We have some disciples in the New Testament who are preaching and teaching the people and the Pharisees and religious leaders get scared and they try and imprison them and they try and beat them. And then this is said, Acts chapter 4, verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Unschooled, agramatos, literally without grammar, uneducated, idiotes, which we've talked about before. Idiotes doesn't mean idiots. Idiotes means that they were not part of the upper class. They were not uh, someone who would hold political office. They were someone who was kind of a, a pleb, might be the phrase. They were working class people. Why is soccer the world game? I know we call it soccer. The rest of the world calls it football. Why is soccer the world game? What is it that, that makes the sport of soccer so accessible? Well, tell me, what, what pieces do you need to play soccer? Kind of anything, something to kick. And if you have something to kick, what are you going to kick it towards? Some goals, something to make some goals. And that's it. You can play it with two people. You can play it with 50 people. Do people need to have a particular level of education to play soccer? Not really, no. Some of the people I've played soccer with had a different story. Um, but maybe making disciples was never supposed to be as complex as we think it is. These are the men that Jesus left his kingdom in the hands of. Agramatos idiotes. These are the ones that Jesus said, as you are going, make disciples. So when we think about making disciples and reproducing faith in other people, maybe the more complex it is, the less it's what Jesus had in mind. And I don't get me wrong, I love complex, esoteric, ivory tower theology. I, I love it. It's fantastic. It's like catnip for pastors. But the gospel was always supposed to be in the hands of ordinary people. So maybe we've been doing it wrong. Let me give you a little diagram. This is actually a diagram I haven't stolen off someone else. I came up with something. It's extraordinary. And this is the way that I summarize someone who is away from God and then has an encounter with God, that's the big purple star in the middle, and then someone goes on out of that. So if someone is journeying toward God, if, if they don't know, if they're not sure, if they've got questions, if they've got queries, what sort of things as activities happen on that side of our diagram? What are some of the things in the life of the church that we might do to connect with those people? Maybe a youth group, maybe a craft group, Maybe a small group, depending on if your small group welcomes in people who are non-Christians or not. Maybe outreach, maybe like what's going to happen in October, where we're going to go in a paddock and blow some stuff up. We're actually going to blow stuff up. Amen. Are there any men in the room this morning? We're going to blow some stuff up. Yeah, better. Uh, it's, it's a men's event. Women have had a day for women. Men, we're going to go in a paddock and blow stuff up. But these sorts of things happen journeying toward God and people need information. Someone actually explained the gospel to you. 
And someone actually needs to explain the gospel to all of these other people that have never heard it before. One of the statistics that came out of the men's convention is on average, if a bloke has no idea about the Lord to actually being prepared to make a decision, he has to hear the gospel 30 times. On average, it takes five years. As you are going, as you are about your daily life to share the gospel, what are some of the things that happen on this side of our diagram? After someone has actually made a first-time commitment or up here a change of allegiance, what are some of the things that flow out of that as someone journeys with God? Honestly, a lot of the same stuff. Maybe a youth group, maybe a craft group, maybe a small group, maybe going out to a paddock and blowing stuff up, maybe information. Can we see that, that someone encountering God is not so complex a thing? You and I cannot get someone to encounter God, but what we can do is that we can plant seeds. You and I can't necessarily cause transformation in someone's life, but we can plant seed. Remember the parable of the sower. He scatters seed everywhere. I'm going to give you a couple of tools to have in your mind about sowing and growing faith in other people. And number one is this, actually have a conversation. And this is a scary part. I'm, I'm going to pick on Max. Come up here, Max. I'm going to give you this special chair, all right? Now, let's imagine for a moment. Come on, we're going to workshop this because this needs to be demystified for all of us. So let's imagine that Max and I work together. That's, that's the boss's chair, right? And I'm going to be the employee. I'll sit on this chair. And we're actually going to have a conversation. And let me show you the conversation we're going to have. Really simple. Read this out with me, please. All right. I want to know that, that you've at least said this phrase once. Hey, I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with, but I don't know if you're interested. So I'm at work and I'm going to go fishing for men. I'm going to go fishing for an Aussie. So I'm going to have not a microphone in my back pocket. I'm actually going to have my Bible out in a public space. Yeah, try it sometime. Scary stuff. It's intimidating. And you know what's going to happen inevitably if you have your Bible out in a public space? Someone's going to ask you a question. Now, if, if I already have an existing relationship with Max, if we actually already get on, if we're mates and we work together, or if we're on the same sporting team, or if we know each other through business connections or study, and if Max is already positively disposed towards me, then it's not going to burn the bridge to ask this question. Asking a complete stranger this question is fine, by the way, but you can see there's a significant difference between asking this of a complete stranger and asking this of someone who's already positively disposed towards you. Now, Max, when I ask you this question, I want you to say no, and I want you to stomp your feet and get really, really angry, because that's what a whole lot of us in this room are afraid will happen. All right, so can you do that? Can you get angry with me? Have a go. Have a go. All right. You ready? Um, hi, Max. Hey, doing all right. Um, look, I'm, I've been thinking, I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with, but I don't know if you'd be interested. What? Are you serious? Give me a break, buddy. All right. Was that terrible? 
Do you think, do you think I'm emotionally crushed for the rest of my life and I'm never going to recover? Do you think I'm going to have my Bible out at work the following day? Absolutely. I just pushed a button and I just got a reaction. Why, why is this person angry? Why is this person upset? They've seen something. They've heard something. They've experienced something. That me simply throwing a net out into the water, I caught something, wasn't what I wanted to catch, but to go, you know what, now I have an opportunity to maybe be more, more on deck with the way I'm loving this person. To go, you know what, something's happened. Maybe I need to hang out with them a bit more. Maybe we need to eat some food together because food is the great equalizer. That's why it's such an amazing thing, the promise that we are going to have a wedding feast and sit at the same table as God. Because when you eat food together off, off the same table, it puts everyone at the same level. So maybe if we hang out and drink coffee and eat food, an opportunity is going to open up for, for me to inquire. You know, Max, what happened? I asked you a question. You know, I'm, I'm a person of faith. And what happened? It seemed to just really, really upset you. And to deal with that, to process it, and to get that out of the way of the gospel. Interesting. Who, who here thinks that they would be able to ask this question of someone in their life? Before you, before you answer, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up, by the way. Statistically, uh, there is a, a large church in Melbourne that has a crew of people who have committed as a ministry of the church to ask this question of people. And the average number of times that they get a no before they get a yes is at, is at most five. Most people will actually say yes. Um, well, not most people, I should say. Statistically, you're not going to get six no's in a row. They said there was one lady in the church who was an anomaly and she had about 14 people say no in a row. Um, yeah. And then someone said yes, and that person gave their life to the Lord. And praise God for that. That's all right, Max, you can wander back to your seat. That's okay. Oh, leave it there. I'm going to pick on someone else in a minute. You're on notice. But how complex do we think sowing faith into other people is? If you would be prepared to ask this question of one person in your life in the near future, please put your hand up. Okay, all right. You know who you are. I'm not going to sit down tomorrow morning with a list and, and write down names of who it was. But how is someone going to hear unless we sit down and make ourselves available to them? And when you offer to read with someone, there are so many lonely people. Having someone go, you know what? I mean, imagine if you were incredibly lonely and someone who you knew who was religious said, actually, I'm reading this weird, sacred Hindu text. Uh, would you sit down and read it with me? If you were lonely, you'd say yes. Because the text itself is not important. The person has been loved. The person is receiving belonging. So what if we put the gospel in that space? Tool number one, this is evangelism for beginners. Hey, I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with, but I don't know if you're interested. Now, here's the problem. What happens if that person says yes? Oh, we'll get to that in a moment. Let's imagine that that a whole lot of people are having a go at that one and doing all right. Now, that's beginner-style sowing and growing faith in other people. You ready? This is about to get crazy advanced. 
who here feels completely equipped for advanced evangelism? Good. Um, let me tell you how we measure who is equipped for advanced evangelism. If you have heard 300 sermons or more, you are really overqualified for advanced evangelism. I'll let you do the maths. Um, so red, orange, and green. So here is advanced evangelism. Hey, my pastor is encouraging people to get better at explaining what they believe. So can I try it out on you? All right, who's my next guinea pig this morning? Deirdre, come on up. I see you chomping at the bit. Okay, let's admit, you, you get the stool this time. I'm... All right, and you can be at work and I'll be a sales rep. Okay. No computer. We'll find you a ledger or something. All right. And so if, again, if there's someone who I've bumped into, someone who, who I've got kind of some positive regard with, what's great about this tool is you get to blame me. You get to blame the pastor. And so then I can go, look, uh, hey, Deirdre, you know, I, I go to a church and stuff. The, the bishop, priest, minister, whatever, is is wanting people to get better at explaining what they believe. Can I try it out on you? Yeah, great question. Uh, I'm going to try and do it in 30 to 60 seconds. Okay? Okay. All right. Cool. Now, all right, just pause for a moment. So I'm going to grab something, and I, again... Again, this is, this is as advanced as it gets. This is as complex as evangelism gets, okay? So I'm going to grab a napkin, a scrap of paper. I'm going to grab a notebook. I'm going to grab something, and I'm going to go, all right. Um, pitch number one, in the beginning, God made everything, right? And then pitch number two, uh, human beings rejected God and screwed everything up. <coughs> so then pitch number three is Jesus turns up, and he is completely God and completely human, and when he dies... He, he kind of makes it so that we can know God. Uh, and then pitch number four, one day, God's actually going to fix everything and he'll be the king of everything again. And that's kind of it. That's, that's really it in a nutshell. And then I follow up with these questions. Did that make sense? Or, or is it part of that I should explain better? Oh, a little bit slower? Okay, all right. A little bit quick. Well, you, you told me I was on a time limit, okay? But, well, you now, said, you say first, second, okay, so, six minutes, so you can probably okay, all right, all right. That, right? Well, yeah. well, and again, so here I follow up again. Um, so, is there part of that 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 I should give more time to explaining? And let me just pause the button with our little role play for a moment. Can you see that you're actually invite the other person is in the position of power in this conversation? They can leave whenever they want. They are actually allowed to completely reject anything that you've said. You're asking for their opinion. You're asking for their help. This is a humble <coughs> position because as Aussies, we think we know everything. This is how we go fishing for Aussies. All right? We have the right bait. We have the right tackle. We're going to go fishing for Aussies. By playing the humble card and actually trying to invite them out 
because most Aussies, the only conversations they've ever had about anything religious are either where they've gotten angry or upset with with something that they've read on their Facebook feed or, or in the news or using the name of Jesus as a curse word. So sitting down and being a safe person, I'm not attacking anyone. I'm not telling them they have to have my position. I'm treating this other person as though they, they literally have no idea. I'm not treating them as, as someone who is unwilling to hear about Christianity, but as someone who has never heard about Christianity. Make sense? So let's imagine for a moment that I had stretched it out and made a little bit more sense. And maybe Deirdre had given me some feedback. She's like, yeah, the whole Jesus being completely God and human thing, I, I just don't get that at all. You go, oh, oh okay, all right. Well, and then you, you book in a follow-up conversation. So you go, well, look, I appreciate that. No, 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 I can, I can see that I need to go away and I need to work on that. Would it be okay if I came back and tried again? Like some other time? I'll bring you hot chocolate. Not coffee. I'll pray for healing as well. Um, and you see, now, now we've actually established a pattern where I can have a, a religious slash spiritual Christian conversation openly, and this person has no fear of being attacked by me. Now, this is, this is an open conversation between two Aussies about, about Christianity and about who Jesus is. So let's imagine for a moment that I asked Deidre the question, rewind and to the end of it and go, oh, look, Deidre, did, did that sort of make sense? And Deidre's response is, yeah, yeah, that actually made, made sense. I understand that completely. Then the next question I, I would ask is this, is to go, all right, if that made sense, where would you say you're at? Like red light, not interested, don't ever talk to me about this again. Orange light, actually, I have some questions or green light, sweet, I'm in. Yeah, 95% of people are orange lights. You will very, very, very seldom get a green light or a red light. Basically, everyone is orange because we're Aussies. <laughs> and making decisions is hard. Um, that's why the wedding was so wonderful yesterday. Everyone celebrated that Ross had made a decision and proposed. <laughs> True. That got mentioned by, by a number of people, actually. All right. Thank you, Deirdre. Awesome. So, again, can you see how simple it is? He's literally going, uh, look, my pastor is encouraging people to get better at explaining their faith, so can I try this out on you? I'm going to give you five minutes to talk to the person next to you, and I want you, if you've heard 300 sermons or more, to have a go at advanced, okay? And I'm going to leave these pictures up here as a guide. Really simple pictures. Pitch number one, God's in charge. Pitch number two, humans screw it up. Pitch number three, Jesus turns up. Picture number four, one day God's going to fix everything and we have hope. All right, you have five minutes. Have a go. Um, start with this question. Have a practice asking this question of the person next to you. Good. Those of you that are well into your conversation, make sure that you ask the feedback questions because we don't want it to be a one-off conversation. 
we, we want to, to keep the door open to come back and have another cup of hot chocolate or coffee and, and to talk about it again. Invite feedback. Invite the person to give you some comments. Right, you got about eight seconds. Okay, I'm going to interrupt some of these conversations. Really, really good, really good conversations to see going on. Now, did anyone get shot, stabbed or slapped in the process? No, good, I hope not. <laughs> Safe church. Now, let me, let me ask some questions, all right? How was it actually asking that sort of question, going through that? It's, it's, it's a little bit intense. It can be a little bit scary. Again, if it's outside of our normal conversations that we have, yeah. But this, these sorts of tools, this is a flotation device, right? This is to help us. Who here in the room would say they felt like a grammatos idiotes? I don't quite have the right words for this. I, I, I feel like someone who's, who's smarter than me should be having this conversation. Now, here is a really important thing about this, because these are conversations we can have all the time. And again, use your own words. I mean, I've put some of these up here, but find your own way of asking the question and just, just step out. Remember, people are hungry. People are lonely. We see all throughout the book of Acts that the spirit of God is at work in the world already in people's hearts. People are already having dreams and visions, and the Lord mobilizes his people out. What happens if someone throws a curveball at you? So they go, okay, so what's the deal with purgatory? Or someone goes, all right, um, but where do dinosaurs fit? Some curveballs out there. How, how How might we respond? Remember, it's 2018. Bluffing people is not a good idea. Because they can, they can have the world in their pocket on their phone. So if someone asks you a really, really great question, or if, like with what happened with Max, if to go, oh, there's something that really happened here. Two really key things. Remember, the person is valuable to God. And if that person has been through something, if that person has had something go on in their life, if, if there is an anger or a resentment there, don't force the conversation to happen. Because then what that person receives is that you saying your words are more valuable than that person to, to, to you. We want people to know that the Lord loves them and the information about that is secondary to them actually meeting with the Lord for himself. In that moment, I'm not just the words of Jesus to that person. I'm the hands and feet. I'm the arms of Jesus to love that person, to, to work with them, to care for them. When you sit down to catch up with someone, if in the middle of that conversation it comes up that they're hungry, find a way of feeding them. If they're needy, let's look for ways to meet their needs. This is, this is the way that the kingdom pushes the boundaries back. Now, you ready? It's about to get a little bit more intense. More intense? Who's up for more intense? Yeah. We're going to go in a paddock and blow stuff up. Now, what if someone says yes? 
This is the scariest part. What if someone actually says yes? If you go, look, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with, but I don't know if you'd be interested. And they go, yeah, sweet, I'm in. Now what? What do we do with these people? People who are hungry. Yeah, if someone's hungry for God. See, if someone wants nothing to do with God, we're used to dealing with that all the time. Oh, yeah, well, you pray for them uh, and we'll go over here and we'll get on with life. But if someone's interested in pursuing God, what do we do with those people? Let me give you another flotation device. This one's really, really, really simple. Okay? A, B, C. Um, which is a great Jackson 5 song. And it stands for this. When you catch up with someone or in your follow-up conversation where someone has said, oh, yeah, actually, I've got a couple more questions, go away with their questions, do a little bit of research. Don't come back and give the person five reams of, of data about it. But come back, and here is a really simple tool. I know some of you have other ways of doing this. For those of you that don't have a tool, try this one. It's really good. A, ask, how are you going? How's your week been? You know, last time we caught up, you had a, a busted ankle or a sore foot. How are you doing? The person is valuable. The person is precious. You are dealing with something that is of eternal value and is created in, in, in the image of God. Step number one, we always, always, always ask, how are people going? How are you doing? And then step number two, Bible. B is for Bible. Let's actually read something. If you have no idea what you would sit and read with someone, I have some stuff printed out that I will photocopy and give to you or I will email you the color version. Because you know what? We are not the first Christians to travel this way. To go, you know what? I want to catch up with someone. Here's this person who's interested in faith. What do I do with them? Well, let's put Bible into them. Jesus says that his words will not return void. He doesn't say Bob's words will not return void. So I need this person to get Jesus's words more than they get my words. So we sit down, we open the Bible. If the person is in crisis, if the person has something going on in their life, if the person has particular questions, there are passages of the Bible that speak more to that. So we can do that. If you have no resources around you, I recommend start with Luke. If in doubt, just open up Luke's gospel, anywhere in Luke's gospel, right in the middle, and then just start reading. And as we're reading the Bible together, we, we go, oh, you know, let's... Let's maybe read it twice. I'll read it and then you can read it. Or we can close the Bible and go, okay, now we've read that. Let's try and tell each other what it was that we just read. You know, basic comprehension stuff. You know, because you and I tell Bible stories to each other all the time without referring back to the text. That's not a bad thing to do. It helps us memorize it. So let's get new Christians into that passage or people who are even pre-Christian in, into that, um, that pathway. If you come back and the person says, look, you know, I went away and I actually started reading Luke's gospel and it was really good. So I read uh, Mark and I read uh, Matthew and then I read Acts and Romans and Romans was a bit confusing. Don't, don't ever tell that person it's abnormal to read huge chunks of the Bible. That might be our experience sometimes, but it's not a bad thing for someone else to read a huge chunk of the Bible. Go, yeah, cool. That's normal. That's normal. Christians do that all the time. They sit down and just read books of the Bible all the time. Absolutely. You, the Lord is creating brand new gospel DNA in someone. Let the Spirit do what, what the Spirit wants to do in that person's life. We are not the cause. Remember, we are planting the seed, but we are not the one who, who puts the DNA inside of that seed. Ask Bible and then C is for commit. At the end of sitting down for a cup of coffee with someone, having read a passage of Scripture, 
And this is what we do with our small group is we go, all right, who are you going to tell? What are you going to do? It's great that we've just read this. You've heard me use this language on a Sunday morning. We can just close our Bible and go away and it means nothing. But who are you going to tell? What are you going to do? Let's commit. Let's have a challenge. And it's that simple. Next time you catch up to go, look, how are you going? Cool, let's read some Bible together. All right, now that we've read that, what are we going to do with it? Because what we're ultimately aiming for is this. For that person to become a complete disciple that not just has a head full of information, but they are capable of reproducing faith in someone else that they will give the DNA that they've received. They will give the kingdom that has come to them. Really simple tools. Let's recap. Actually have a conversation. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up again, but you know who you are. Those of us in this room who are committing to have a conversation with someone who is positively disposed towards us sometime in the near future. Hey, I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with, but I don't know if you're interested And again, it might scare your socks off when someone says yes. And if in doubt, just start in the middle of Luke's gospel. Maybe if you want to do the more advanced thing, go, look, um, can I try something out on you? My past has been on my case that I need to get better at explaining what I believe. Um, Let me have a go at this. Let me see how I go. And it becomes a safe space for you to talk about the Lord with someone and for them to have something to say. They have a voice as well. And go, look, if, if that did make sense, where would you say you're at? Red light, orange light, green light. 90, at least 90% of the time, it's going to be an orange light where you have the chance to catch up with that person again to form a, a relationship with them based around simply talking about the real stuff of life. And then, of course, ABC, ask, Bible, and commit. Really, really simple stuff. But if we are going to be complete disciples, the kingdom of God is in the hands of ordinary people. The kingdom of God is in your hands and my hands. And if we do not share at all, then it means the kingdom of God, eternal, invisible, has come into the world, has traveled 2,000 plus years through history since the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then it stops with you. I don't want to be that person where the gospel stops with me. I want to give what I've received. I want people to come into genuine contact with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? If they ask curveball questions, if they have stuff which is so tricky that that I have no idea where to go with it, I can still have a cup of tea with that person. I can still love them. I can still feed them. I can still help them out when they're in distress. And that, for many, many people, is a more powerful gospel message about the truth of the love of God than any rational explanation is ever going to have. Let's pray together, then we're going to do one more song. Lord Jesus, you... You know what it's like to have people that don't want to hear what you have to say. But Lord Jesus, we hear this command from you to be making disciples as we are going out into the world. And that the thing that causes that to happen, for for people to have hope and life and the Spirit of God spring up in their life and transform them, 
That's, that's your business. But you've called us to, to be on deck and to be available to be obedient. So, Lord God, I ask that you help us to grapple with this content this morning and to look for opportunities in our life to speak out into the life of other people. For those of us that have some time on our hands, that maybe we would tap people on the shoulder and say, hey, I'd really love to catch up with you. To ask them how they're going. To say, look, here's this scripture that's been on my heart. And then to commit to doing something about it, that we would mentor one another. We would give what we've received. We would sow back into those in the body the experiences that you have led us through. Lord Jesus, we long to be complete disciples and we know, we, know, we see all around us that that means there, there needs to be some capacity to reproduce faith. Lord God, would you help us, please? Would you give us eyes to see those who are lost and those who are lonely, those who are struggling? Would you help us to engage with them? Lord God, we thank you. We commit ourselves to you as we commit our meeting this afternoon to you, as we commit this upcoming baptismal service to you, as we commit the Africa team and Lindsay and Didi to you. Lord Jesus, would you continue leading us and guiding us, inspiring us, challenging us, transforming us. In your precious name we pray. Amen.